Well, hello everybody. This is Kathy Schrader with Prevailing Matters. And I'm uh, so excited about today's episode. My guest today is my one of my very best girlfriends, uh, Rena Olson. She has the Relevate podcast and she is a self-proclaimed inspirer of others. And I can guarantee you, she is somebody who inspires me constantly. Um, I have been blessed by her friendship, by her wisdom. And I'm so excited today. She's gonna share a little bit about her story, about her podcast, give us some tips on podcasting and also, some other things that she does to help nonprofits and small businesses build their brand and market their services. So Rena, I'm just really excited to have you here today. And uh, just take a few minutes and introduce yourself to everybody that's watching and listening. Okay, awesome. Judge Schrader, Kathy, I still have a hard time not calling you judge. Uh, Thank you so much for this opportunity. I'm not used to having the mic turned on me. But, um, and I may sneak in a few questions for you because I'm excited about what you're doing in this space. Um, But yeah, so I'm Rena Olson. I'm the host of the Relevate podcast. I, um, yeah, I'm that inspire of others is kind of the, uh, when people say, what do you do? What's really kind of at your heart? And that's my goal is really to inspire people, to call them up to be a, a higher, better version of themselves. So I think we, you know, we're just walking around with a whole lot of brokenness and a whole lot of sadness. And unless you kind of call it out and, you know, take steps to make it better, you know, you're just always going to stay stuck. So I believe in the power of stories and people sharing their stories, and uh, I'm just not afraid really to tackle any conversation too, you know, too difficult or, or too dark or too deep, because I think, you know, it's, it's when you're in bondage that the devil has his hold on you. Yes. And when you start to peel back those layers and let the light in, that's when the healing will occur, right? And that's one of the things I've learned, I've learned by working in recovery is uh, those people do so much work on themselves in learning to be vulnerable, in learning to be transparent. And that was really, you know, when I had a chance to be around people who were living their life on that really that higher plane, working so hard to get better, it, it kind of rubbed off on me. And it got into my, my heart and my soul. And I think people that aren't in recovery, I'm not in recovery, um, but I've learned so many valuable lessons from people who are just really trying so hard to make their lives better. So in a nutshell, that's what I'm trying to do is just, you know, bring some, some light. And um, I'm, I'm a believer in, in, in Jesus and share a little bit of that with people uh, that can only make your life better. When, when you connect with, with Jesus as your personal God and Savior. So not, you know, we just try to be real with that, not too heavy-handed with that, because um, that's a very, very personal journey, and I want that to be that for my, for my listeners. So, And I'm a, you know, I'm a lifelong marketer. I love to tell stories. I'm a storyteller at heart. So, yeah. So how I started the podcast, I really felt God um, just really working on my heart to do something 
to inspire in some ways. And I really didn't know kind of what form or, you know, whether it was a gathering of women in like ministry or conference or, um, you know, it took me a while to kind of to land on, on a podcast. But I um, studied journalism in college and kind of had those skills in the back of my mind. They were pretty rusty. I mean, I hadn't run an an audio board in a long time, but um, I'd done video, um, a lot of video work. So, you know, just composition of story. And the thing with podcasting, it's the um, kind of the barrier of entry is very low. So you don't have to have, you know, you don't have to go take out a loan to invest in equipment. I mean, and you can get up and running pretty fast. So, you know, I kind of landed on, well, maybe it's a podcast. And um, yeah, I just started doing the research and, you know, I was like, okay, well, how how do you do it? Uh, But I, you know, I had a lot of people kind of lean in and help me out. And, um, you know, here we are almost two years later and I'm just, um, you know, just kind of getting my stride with the medium. And I really love it. I think it's so powerful. I listen to podcasts all the time and um, I get a lot of knowledge, not only head knowledge, but heart knowledge from podcasts. So I just think it's a fabulous medium. It's, you know, it's just, you know, it's kind of the wild west because really anybody can start a podcast. Um, But, you know, if you're going to do it, let's, you know, emphasis on quality, make sure you have a good angle and, um, yeah, make sure it's 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 good and and inspirational. Yes, good, Hopeful. awesome. Okay, so uh, let's go back to uh, so part of your story. Yeah. You you were you said you were a lifelong marketer. Yes. Tell me how you became connected with the treatment and the recovery community. Okay, so. As in most God stories, it's kind of a long circuitous thing. Um, but I had, I was working in corporate marketing in Alpharetta in just, you know, one of those office complexes. And uh, years ago, I guess it was probably 10 years ago, some guys came knocking on my door selling printing from an organization called No Longer Bound that was around the corner from the office. And I had not heard of No Longer Bound. Uh, the gentleman at the door was Edward Bailey. He was young, out of recovery. And, you know, I was just, uh, I was so taken with the idea, you know, that they were selling print services. And it was men in recovery that the proceeds from the printing would go to benefit this nonprofit. So I was like, yes. How can I not give you my business? Right. So I gave him my business. We did just, you know, just a couple of little of um, projects together, nothing huge, but it gave me a chance to connect with this young guy, Edward Bailey, who would go on to be the executive director of No Longer Bound at a very young age. And, um, you know, when he kind of got in that position and we were connected on Facebook and we were just chatting and they were at a point where they were ready for a marketing director. And I was at a point where I was really wanting to make the jump from private sector to nonprofit and everything just lined up. And, um, you know, I have, my father struggled with alcoholism. So I know what that's like to, to have that in the home. He, uh, I mean, I love my dad so much, but, you know, he struggled with that 
really most all of his life. He, he, did, uh, he did quit later in life because he had emphysema and he couldn't breathe. And when he drank, his medicine didn't work. Long story short. And, and the dad I had late in life was just so amazing. And that's the one I choose to celebrate and remember. But, you know, being a child of a parent who was an alcoholic, I mean, it just, it shapes you in ways that, um, you know, I'm probably not even fully aware of, but it, you know, it softened my heart to people who struggle, families who struggle and, oh my word. And once I went to work at No Longer Bound, which is a men's addiction recovery center, it's a long-term center. So the men are, are living there for at least a year. And, um, you know, they're living, working, and just really working on getting their lives together. Um, I mean, it was just such a blessing to me because it opened my eyes. Addiction wasn't what I thought it was. The men that I met there were some of the smartest, most creative, most talented, amazing people who just got off track. And um, yes, many of them had had done terrible things, you know, in terms of um, the way they treated people and their families. And I mean, the stories are so similar, but, you know, at their heart, most of them were really super good guys. And um, it was an absolute pleasure to watch many of these men rise up, you know, reclaim their lives, um, work on their family, you know, it's like families that just seem so broken and so home hopeless to see them come back together. I mean, it was so, uh, I don't know, it just really filled my cup, you know, as just a small participant um, in that. So, yeah, it was a great, um, a great part of my career journey and met a lot of wonderful people, you included. No Longer Bound is very well connected in the community. And I, I just, I loved my time there. And well, and I became connected with No Longer Bound originally because one of the clients um, had been accused of a crime and engaged in some criminal behavior while he was in active, his active addiction. Between the time of accusation and the time of sentencing, he had enrolled in and excelled in No Longer Bound. So when it came time for his sentencing, um, Edward wasn't in the courtroom, but some of the um, other ma assistant managers and assistant directors mm -hmm. and clinical managers came and spoke on behalf of this young man. And uh, I have been engaged in advocacy to build awareness for lack of resources, we need better treatment um, and that kind of thing in the treatment and recovery industry for a very long time. And then you add in the fact that like you and like most people, I've been touched personally by family members who struggle with various addictions. And so uh, the combination of my personal and professional experience gave me a unique ability to understand the people that were in my courtroom accused of crimes. Because what a lot of people may not realize is that up to 85 to 90% of people who are accused of felonies, and that's what I presided over, were felonies, um, have been or are in active addiction and mm -hmm. We in the industry know that most 
felony crimes are drug driven, which means people are either under the influence of their substance, they are addicted, or they are looking for money or items to sell or pawn to get money to buy the substances that their brain is telling them to survive on. So um, understanding the brain science and just the behavioral of it, plus the criminality of it, I had a very unique approach. Plus I, I'm a student of justice reform for the last 15 years. And so I implemented very unique strategies on while I was on the bench and uh, this was one of them. And I created a very unique strategy. Instead of sending this individual to jail for his crime, I actually sentenced him to complete his, um, his stay at no longer bound. That was one of the requirements for his sentence. And then I had a lot of community service with not only himself, but also with No Longer Bound to perform community service at No Longer Bound as part of his community service. Yeah. Because the, the long-term treatment is the best practices model. It, it is scientifically proven that yeah. the longer a person is connected with the source of their recovery, um, the higher probability they have of sustaining long-term recovery. And that's mm -hmm. what our goal is. Um, so, and as far as I know, this, this individual is still in recovery and this was six or seven years ago, That's um, but after, apparently after the sentencing, the clinical director went back and told, um, Edward that, oh, you just got to go meet this woman. <laughs> and so the very next morning he was calling, asking if he could come and meet me. Well, of course I knew of no longer bound because of my work already in the community. Um, in, in regards to that. And I had referred a lot of people up there, but I'd never met the managers or the directors or anything mm -hmm. like that. And so he came to, to the chain, my chambers and he introduced myself, himself and, and his leadership team. And they were talking about that, about that sentencing and how could they encourage other judges oh, nice. to understand the importance of sentencing a treatment-minded sentence rather than a punitive-minded sentence where you send someone to a prison because the prisons aren't equipped to deal with the psychology of addiction. They, they're equipped to keep people away from the substance and get people substance-free. But of course, you and I know being substance-free doesn't mean that you're completing yeah. a treatment program or a treatment plan. And um, so that's been part of, I, I actually, add, once I met with Edward, that was one of the things I started adding to my public speaking events and to my advocacy model was trying to inform and equip people in the justice system to understand that jail is not the answer. As a matter of fact, jail, it should be the system of last resort that we should build and foster better treatment resources in every community to address this. Because if we, theoretically, if we did that, we wouldn't need the jails mm -hmm. like we need them. Exactly, but, um, exactly. Well, in Small World Story, how we got connected, and I love how God just lines people up the way they're supposed to. So 
Edward was like, you know, when he first mentioned Judge Schrader, he was like, she, she is a great friend for those in recovery. I mean, that was kind of the first words I had heard associated oh, with that's you. Sweet. I didn't know that. And I was like, wow, because I really haven't known many judges in my life. And I wouldn't have you know, with such a cool, <laughs> such cool connection. And then when we ended up finally meeting each other, we discovered that my husband grew up in your neighborhood three houses up the street from me how wild is that yeah uh, long like <laughs> and i i think his parents may have still been living in that house when we met because they lived in the house on the street where we grew up for a lot longer than my parents mm. did but your husband That's bobby nice. and i lived on the same street for almost 20 years yeah, and so so my husband's perspective of you was like, oh, I remember when she used to cheer at our, you know, when we were playing football in the yard. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. That, that little Kathy Schrader. Exactly. <laughs> Kathy McCart. Little Kathy McCart is what, what he called name. you. But I, I did, and I loved how God uh, wove our stories together because you've inspired me so much with the work that you've continued to do with your podcasting and just you know, being my, you know, encourager and my inspirer. I mean, it, 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 that that's one of the things that I wanted us to be able to share yeah. on this is about how it's so powerful when women let the their barriers down and encourage each other instead of fostering a sense of competition and jealousy and envy because we can do so much more together than we do when we're fighting with right. each other so that is called a scarcity mindset yes. and it is it is false and if ever you find yourself thinking that way you need to let it go because there are plenty of, um, yeah, there's a lot of podcasts out there. And in the coming years, there'll be a lot more. But so what? You know, if you have a story to tell, if you have expertise um, that you want to share, you know, if it, it's, um, you know, it's a, a free world and a marvelous platform and just just go for it. You know, it's. Yeah. You know, at, at the very least, I mean, I love the conversation format. I mean, it's 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 difficult for one person to be able to to carry a podcast by themselves. If you're a pastor and are used to kind of you know speaking in a monologue format, you know that's a whole lot harder than having conversations, right? Right. And I think you know, I I don't know. I find conversations infinitely more interesting to listen to which podcasting is an audio medium, right? You know, it's, you know, for the most part, most people, you know, a lot of, a lot of people are adding video to it, but, you know, I'm, I like to, to listen and it, it kind of goes back to radio, you know, and I still listen to AM radio sometimes when in my car and um, it's just, it's a, it's a fabulous format and um, not hard at all to, to get started. Okay. So, the name of your podcast is the Relevate Podcast. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, Relevate. Yeah. So, Relevate. It's ele the word Elevate with an R in front of it. It is a real world, real 
word, and it means to inspire or restore to good spirits. So in kind of brainstorming, what's the name of my podcast? I just, God kind of dropped it in my lap and I was like, elevate, elevate. Is that really a word? And I looked it up and I was like, oh, it's perfect. So yeah, it's the Relevate podcast. You can find it on iTunes or wherever, Spotify or, or your favorite podcast listening platform. And it's um, conversations of encouragement and hope. Um, I've talked a lot about addiction, recovery. Um, I had a, a guest who was a survivor of child, horrific childhood sexual abuse who, um, you know, later in life, it manifested itself in addiction. But when she finally uncovered that, she realized it was the brokenness of that abuse that was driving the addiction. So she got healing and help. And now she's working for a fabulous nonprofit helping other women. Um, so, you know, just really hopeful stories like that. I've got uh, started a new season of the podcast early this year. Um, Alzheimer's disease has impacted my family. So just interviewed a woman and um, she's worked with Alzheimer's patients and families and was really able to help us understand um, the disease, the disease state, how to better love those people who have Alzheimer's because it's not intuitive. You know, the, we see the person we love slipping away and we just want to be like correcting them. And, you know, it's, it's really hard, but she had some great words of advice on, on how to kind of meet them where they are. And, you know, what you're dealing with there is the long-term memory that has taken over. Um, so you kind of need to meet them there. So just, you know, I, I don't know. I just am, I'm just trying to help and shine the shine the light in my little corner of, of the world. And I'm, you know, I really look to God to kind of help me understand what short stories is it that you want me to share? Um, because you know this, Kathy, we are, there's so much toxicity in and around. I mean, it's just, it, it can get really heavy, really fast. So um, I'm a very empathetic person by nature. And that kind of ongoing exposure just to the, you know, to the attacks on one another, many, you know, people, strangers attacking strangers. It's yeah. like, stop, 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 breathe, no. you know, let's, let's lean in with love instead of, you know, just taking a look at a person, making all these assumptions and then attacking. Yes. That's, that's not going to get us anywhere. So I know I, I'm not going to be able to, you know, fully transform that, but, you know, let's just, let's just be lifting each other up instead of tearing each other down. Well, and I agree so much. One story, one day at a time, right. one positive message, one day at a time. And we know that words have power oh, and they, it, they, our words have these ripple effects. And so the more positive words we can send out through our podcasting and through our Zoom publications and things like that, the more hope we can spread. And like you said, inspire others, encourage others. Yeah. Um, it takes, like you, 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 you mentioned early in the conversation, how you started to respect and admire 
people who dig deep and work on their issues in recovery, the vulnerability, the courage that it takes to do that. But then also you saw the healing and the growth and the peace and the joy that, that comes over people who are brave enough to walk through healing. Because it does take a lot of courage to do that, but it's so it's well worth it to push out of the darkness or the brokenness or whatever is causing that sense of um, discouragement and despair. And it's interesting that you shared a story about your friend who shared her story of healing after some horrific childhood abuse. Um, that's part of what pre, the platform of Prevailing Matters. Uh, I've been certified in all, uh, all sorts of areas about emotional healing, physical healing, brain, he brain health, mm -hmm. uh, tra trauma healing, things like that, because that's the driving force for many into me the uh, darkness of mental health and substance abuse, which tends to only cause more brokenness and more despair and more discouragement. So if we can start spreading messages of hope and healing before more brokenness, that, that I think that if we all could just set our minds to do that on our platforms, we could really start repairing a lot of the, just the anger and the acrimony and the brokenness that's causing a lot of that behavior in our right. culture, in our communities. Right. And I, I'm, I don't ever want to come across as being Pollyanna with, right. with my approach to the world. Right. But I believe that so much of how you view the world is kind of the filter that you will, that you put on. Right. So, you know, if I, um, you know, if I choose to be, you know, it's like whenever you open your mouth to speak, you have kind of that split second, you know, you can, you can go any direction with it. Right. Right. But I think, you know, just being ever more mindful in our responses, not only to our loved ones and our coworkers, but, um, you know, you can never, you can never lose when you lead with kindness. And when you lead with love, never, never. never. Well, I think it's, it's not, that's a fruit of the spirit, right? Yeah. You have to cultivate that. And um, you do that by intaking, you know, surrounding yourself with good people, you know, reading good books, listening to good music. You know, it's all, it's, it's what you're taking in, you know, it's like step away from the news, um, and, and just, you know, get outside, go for a walk, you know, take, take care of yourself. And, um, you know, I think those, that change in mindset will start to emerge when you're intentional about your intake of really everything. Well, and also, I think I sh have shared with you before that I, I was bullied as a child. As a forceps baby, my smile has always been different. Well, of course, Back in the day when I was growing up, you know, you were just taught to be resilient. Mm -hmm. The bulliers were not taught to be kinder and more understanding. Right. But that has served me well because I was taught very early that hurting people hurt people. 
Mm -hmm. And so that what that really taught me was the skill to understand that some of the angriest, most hurtful people are the most broken. And, and it makes no sense. And as you sense. just pointed out, being empaths, so I'm very empathetic too, um, but you have to cultivate a skill of compassion and understanding. You know, this guy's being a jerk, not necessarily because he wants to, but those are survivor skills that he's developed as a result of some pain and bitterness or brokenness that he's gone through in his life. Exactly. And that enables people like you and I and others who have developed these skills to react accordingly with compassion, with understanding, kindness, and love rather than retaliating with, you know, more anger and mm -hmm. kind of creating an even more hostile situation. But as we're seeing in our culture right now, not many people have cultivated those skills or even, you know, taking a deep breath to understand, okay, you know what? I have the power to let's turn the heat down. Let's turn the anger down. Let's sit down, have, have a better conversation using wisdom, using some compassion, some understanding, and instead of, you know, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right, see it my way, see it my way. And uh, I just am also, like you, trying to have a platform to let people know that we're all different. We all have different opinions. We all have different stories. We come from different backgrounds. That doesn't make us better or worse exactly. than our brothers and sisters. Right. It just, it just makes us different. And right. if we don't and come back to a place where we have an understanding of different positions, mm -hmm. uh, things are going to get a lot worse in our community and in our cultures, then, then they'll get better. Exactly. And, you know, people are just, you know, we need to have differences of opinion. It is not good if we all think alike, if we all vote the same, if we, if that is not good for a culture. So, you know, it's like, you just have to respect people for their opinions and their differences and arguing with them is not going to change anything. Right. But, um, you know, I, I would encourage people while at the same time, you know, like in your situation when you were sharing about being bullied and there's still a lot of that going on. While I'm an advocate for love and kindness, I'm not going to let people run over me. Exactly. So I think that, you know, that's kind of a, a misnomer that just because you're, you're kind and, and peace loving that, you know, it makes you an easy target to be run over. And that is not the case with me. And I know that's not the case with you. That's right. It's well, like, we've got a, got a strong backbone right there. So. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and it, but that comes from doing our work, understanding who we are, um, whose we are and Amen. the power, <laughs> yeah, and, and the power that we have mm. in our individuality, the power to, um, understand our positions to be able able to advocate in a respect advocate respectfully for our position. But you're right, um, we're not doormats, and we do know how to um, construct some healthy boundaries around people 
who have decided that they'd rather be more toxic in their engagement in a discussion rather than, okay, let's just sit down and have a healthy discussion. Right. Right. So that's, exactly. yeah, that's good. Exactly. And you know, God makes us each unique yes. and special for a reason. You know, sometimes that's really hard to understand why. And I'm sure when you were in the midst of all that bullying, I mean, you probably cried many tears on your mama's shoulders. But look at the strong, determined person that it, you know, that, that emerged. So um, God, God doesn't make mistakes. Absolutely. I so agree with that. And um, it, it's interesting because um, I'm, you know, and I freely share a lot of the um, trials and tribulations that I've experienced in my life because that's, that is part of what has really, um, I think, driven me to create an organization like Prevailing Matters, because everyone goes through different trials and tribulations, and it impacts different people in different ways. But the stepping stones of trials that I've endured in my life in a peaceful, joyful, maintaining my, my joy and my peace and happiness, despite some of the circumstances swirling around in my life, uh, people are constantly asking me, how do you do that? How, how can you be so upbeat? How can you be so positive with all this stuff going on in your, in your life? And it's really a simple formula. Um, it may not be easy for a lot of people who have other habits than the ones that I've developed over my lifetime as a result of what I've gone through. For example, seeing others through the lens of their pain and brokenness rather than their behavior and labeling them as a jerk. Um, that, that kind of thing. That's a skill though, like you indicated a few minutes ago, certain things you have to cultivate. Right. And that's one of the things with people, like you said, with, that are struggling with Alzheimer's. You see your mom or your dad or your aunt and your uncle, and they look like the person that you've always known, but now they're no longer acting like the person you've always known. So you have to be able to still love your loved one through that disease rather than seeing them as their disease. And it's the same thing with people in recovery. It, it totally is. Yes. So, totally and I think is. that's a skill that that's, I think that might be one of the most important things we we've discussed today is giving people who may not have ever been taught the, this, this wisdom that, mm -hmm. you know, your mom or dad or your daughter or your son or your niece or your nephew that may be struggling with substance abuse. Substance abuse is a disease. Right. You can still love your loved one, but hate that disease. Just like people love their parents, but they hate the disease of Alzheimer's. And you, you can cultivate that skill. You have to cultivate that skill. Otherwise, you will then feel an even a higher level of separation mm -hmm. from the loved one that you want to know and love. Right. That may not right. be there and, right now. Yeah. And, and so how do you, you know, those two emotions of, you know, the love you have for that person and, you know, the concern or, you know, the aggravation, whatever. And I think, you know, Kathy, we've talked about 
um, people who are going through divorce in the courtroom and how, you know, where once love existed, you know, it's, it's now you have hate in there and and it's not hate for everybody, but for a lot of, a lot of families it is, or for one or both or um, disconnection. I mean, and especially if there are children involved, you have to find a way to navigate that for the good of your children. And I've just seen so many people like veer way off course. And it just, it, you know, the ugliness, it just makes it so much worse. Wouldn't you agree, Kathy? Oh, absolutely. I'm sure you've really seen it. An element of prevailing matters is to help couples overcome challenges and conflicts in their marriage and restore their marriage. But if they cannot restore their marriage, we can help you divorce well. You do not have to have the War of the Roses divorce where you, you know, you're just destroying everything in sight. You destroy your relationships, you're, you destroy you, your health, you destroy your sanity, you destroy your financial savings and the fa- financial groundwork that you've laid. You do not ha- that does not have to be divorce. Right. You can divorce well. You can still have a good outcome for your family because if you, especially like you said, if you have children, at, divorce is just a piece of paper. You are still a family unit. You are now a divorced family right. unit, but you're still a family unit and you owe it to, especially the children, yourself and the other parent of your children because your children will always have a relationship with the other parent. And the healthier that relationship is, the healthier your children are. And see, a lot of people are never, that, that is never explained to a lot of people going through a divorce. They c- connect with a lawyer <clears throat> who has the mentality of when at all cost. And at all costs mean costing you a relationship with the other parent of your children, sometimes your children, and separation from your money on a permanent basis. <coughs> Excuse me. Rather than let's just get the best outcome for this family in the most efficient way, the most economical way, and let's try to craft a, a, a best future outcome for this family. If it, and those are the lawyers that I work with. That's the strategy that we create because in the long run, my goal <clears throat> is to keep children out of the justice system, keep children out of treatment right. and recovery system because that's where acrimonious divorces drive children back into all these systems. And it's just a, I mean, generational situation if it's done improperly but people can divorce well if they're connected to the right resources right yeah so my pastor stanley is in the middle of a series sorry i don't remember the name of it uh north point church but he's talking about how you you know with every choice you're you're writing your story Mm -hmm. right so make it a good one yes make it a good one even if you know, sometimes things happen. I mean, sometimes people, 
who love each other can no longer remain married. I mean, it happens, but to have a strategy, like you say, to divorce well, you know, to, you know, to um, transition as smoothly as possible for the sake of everybody involved. I mean, that's just, that's writing a good story. Yes. Right. Yes. So you probably could do a podcast on that one topic alone because, you know, people just think divorce and they think ugly divorce and it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't. And I actually uh, published an article um, in a period, online periodical, periodical called Thrive Global on revealing justice. Um, A lot of people think that okay, I'll get a lawyer, I can get a quick resolution, wrong, it's never quick, it it won't cost me that much money, wrong, it always costs you a lot of money, Uh, the judge will care about my case, Uh, not really in the way you think a judge can care about your case, just because of the number of cases, the limited amount of courtroom time, um, and that uh, your other party or the other lawyer will just cooperate that you'll win uh no none of that ever happens and so people become disillusioned not only with the system but it's like double whammy and double trauma because they're actually people don't go to court or they don't hire a lawyer because they want to they hire lawyers because they feel like they're in crisis and they have to so then you're like traumatized by the reason you're there in the first place, and then you're traumatized by the system. And so we, we, I, I, I tell everybody, we have a bunch of zombies walking around right now that have been traumatized systematically by all of, you know, not just like the healthcare system, the treatment system, the justice system. There's all these systems that they, their um, expectations haven't been met because they've had unrealistic expectations because of media or friends or whatever. So it's like, it doesn't have to be that way. Exactly, exactly. And I love the whole concept of your business prevailing matters. It's um, like you said, people don't land in the justice system because they want to. And it would be, I think it's terrifying for many people so to have someone who's, you know, who's been there as a judge and really knows how the system works to have, to have a, you know, somebody to partner with, you know, just to kind of help demystify what's going to happen. I mean, I just think you're going to, you're going to be able to really help a lot of people in your new role. So I'm excited. Well, for And, you. you know, I think also is that individuals hire a lawyer, but then sometimes they don't even know what questions they have to ask a lawyer. And they're sometimes even afraid to ask certain questions because they don't want to feel, oh, I don't want my lawyer to think I'm dumb or I don't know anything or whatever, but they're not even supposed to know anything about the legal system. And so part of what I want to encourage people to do also is just ask questions. There's no question that that is ever a dumb question, because if you have it, that means there's a reason why you have that question. And there's a reason why you feel driven to ask that question. So yeah, it's It's kind of good for life too. It's like, just get over your fear of asking a dumb question because 
Yes. So what? Okay. Well, it's been great visiting with you today. Tell us, tell our listeners how they can find you. Well, my website is rena-olson.com, R-E-N-A-Olson, and that's O-L-S-E-N.com. And again, the podcast is Relevate, the Relevate podcast. Uh, Check it out, subscribe, share it with your friends, and I just really have enjoyed our time together. And I'm super excited to see what happens with this next step in your journey, Kathy. Well, Rena, I just wanted to uh, really thank you so much for your willingness to be one of my first guests on my podcast (laughs) and to share your story and to give us some wisdom on podcasting and sharing our story and encouraging others to do that because we all have a special, unique gift to offer and the world needs us all and needs us to be For sure. And if you, you know, it's just like anything, if, if, if somebody really wants to do a podcast and they're thinking about it, where, where's the best place to start? Google, right? You know, do your research, you know, kind of what I share with people is if you're going to do it, do it well, Uh, make the investment in good quality equipment so that, you know, the uh, production you're putting out has you know, is high quality because you can do it with, with a cheap microphone off of Amazon and cheap equipment, but you know, your sound quality is not going to be great. So, you know, get some advice and, um, you know, do your research before you kind of dig in and then, um, just go for it. Okay. Sounds great. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. And, um, I look forward to listening to more of your podcast episodes. Excellent. Okay. Same here. And tell Bobby I said hello. I will. Okay, bye. Bye Bye-bye.